0: Greetings, folks. Alex Simmons here. Uh, I have to beg you to forgive me for some of the sound quality of this episode, episode 96, which makes us that much closer to 100. I'm really looking forward to that. Anyway, I was out in San Diego attending the San Diego Comic Con and Chris was back in New York, New Jersey, doing all the wonderful things he's working on. And bottom line, we had to record separately and the equipment I used was not 101 percent. So occasionally there's a little buzz. I beg you, forgive, forgive, forgive. And if you can't, well, I swear to you, episode 97, the sound quality was much better because we're working on it. Either way, here's episode 96 of Tell the Damn Story in part one. I will talk about San Diego Comic-Con. And in the second part, Chris will talk about his point of view of all the social media about the Comic-Con. That's it for now. Take care. Here's episode 96. Okay, welcome to another episode of Tell the Damn Story. It's Alex Simmons here, coming to you from San Diego, where I have been attending the San Diego Comic-Con for the last 3.4 days. And not to be left out, even though Chris is not here with me, Chris has sent along from his vantage point in New York, well, actually in New Jersey, but nevertheless on the East Coast, he sent along his feelings and observations about the Comic-Con and about the world of, and I'll let his piece speak for itself uh, later in this episode. And This will be a short episode because I really have to sort of start off by saying, you know, as I said, I got here about three and a quarter days ago, and for any of you who have attended comic conventions, you know what it's like. You, you, you know if you've gone to a medium-sized one or a small one or you've gone to the Jagunda ones. That's right, jagunda. I use the word. Um, it's bodies and bodies and bodies, you know, sometimes in costumes, sometimes in costumes without very much material to them. Uh, scurrying about, uh, sharing stories, uh, posing for photographs, uh, hunting for comics, listening to people speak. Maybe there's some panels, things like that. And, you know, it's pretty much a formula. It's a formula that works, you know, on a small scale or a large scale. And the New York Comic Con has been around since oh about 2006, and the San Diego Comic Con has been around for, uh, according to this year's uh, notoriety, 50 years. So I have to ask, you know, big question. So what's so damn great about the San Diego Comic Con? I mean, you know, everybody talks about it. It's it really, you know, they get really excited, they get really passionate, and all that. But when you think about, it, you know, okay, it's a huge event in uh, a particular, a lovely part of San Diego. Okay, yeah. got a beautiful view. There's the bay out there. There's a bridge in the distance. Uh, the weather is, uh, you know, really nice. I mean, New York City was burning up at 100 and some odd degrees. And who knows what the humidity was. But, you know, that was New York. Concrete and, you know, and, and stone and sky. But we're, New Yorkers are tough. you get out here, you've got, oh, I don't know, somewhere around 80 degrees. You've got winds blowing. You've got palm trees swaying. But bottom line, you know, it's, it's weather. Yeah, you know, we've seen it before. Sun, weather, okay? But, okay, we're in California. We're in California, you know, and California has movie stars and mudslides and earthquakes and New York has muggings and weather and uh, screaming politicians. But, okay, either way, it's a life experience. But, again, it's, okay, the San Diego Comic-Con, everybody talks about it. It's like, it's like okay, it's got a lot of celebrities. Uh, believe me, comic book celebrities movie celebrities, TV show celebrities. When I was out here this time, um, one of the celebrities I ran into, or one of the certainly uh, I filmed, or a film, a recognized TV film performer, was the young lady who plays Winona Earp in the uh, series. The TV series of the same name. And it's coming back for its third season. And there was a bunch of people lined up at IDW for her autograph. And I ran into a young man who used to work with me at Archie. I mean, you know, he worked there and I wrote for them. And, you know, Scott, and uh, good old Scott managed to, uh, it was exciting to see him, it was fun to see him, and he was telling me, you know, he's moved and he used to work for IDW and now he's living elsewhere, but he's also just written a book with George Takai, which is, they call us the enemy. And if I have mispronounced any part of that, I'll correct it later. But, okay, he's written a book with George Takai. Oh, my, you know, George Takei, right? Um, I run into mm-hmm. Bo Smith, who created Winona uh, Earp. And then I run into Walt Simonson, who's got such a list of accomplishments that it would take 95 episodes of Tell the Damn Story to talk about all of them. But again, okay, you got, you got your fans, you got your celebrities, uh, you have 50 years of a comic book uh, experience extravaganza, yeah, but what's i mean it's it's comic books it's it's uh, a comic con what's so damn special about it uh, yeah, okay, I also understand you know from my own experiences out here and from a hundred and one people who talk about it, what a staff they've got you know they coordinate beautifully with vendors with uh fans with a young artist or new artists with the established you know upper echelon, the creme de la creme the the old geezers who are fantastically talented all of them can communicate with the staff and somehow some way things get worked out and yes they house the Eisner awards all right well you know other conventions have awards too so gee you know it, it, yeah i know it's will eisner will eisner you know the 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 man who is in effect recognized as the 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 grandfather of graphic novels you know i mean it was his art form that came forward here in the states, anyway, and and became recognized as not only something that we could call a novel, but was something easier for the bookstores to to put on their spreadsheets, so they could justify selling comics. <laughs> well, okay, but they have the Eisner Awards, big deal, big deal. I you know, have the Eisner Awards. They have fans. They have a nice location. They have a great staff. They have all those things, and they have the international component. Jeez. Right. Okay, so you've got not only people from the States, upper and lower echelon, but you have international comic book creators, illustrators, and writers who fly here from across the Atlantic to be here. I mean, they fly from across the Atlantic to be in New York. It just takes three hours less time to go to New York. That's all. But bottom line, they have that. They have this international component that people are well aware of. So when you look at this, you look at four days, you look at the Eisner Awards, you look at the staff, you look at the 50-year history, you look at all of the various celebrities and industry of entertainment types that appear at this event. And and whether it becomes a pop culture event, which irritates the purest of the comic book fans, or it's really this wonderful smorgasbord of comic and media-related material. Well, however you see it, it's a comic book convention. so if New York Comic-Con can, can do it on their level and you've got East Coast Comic-Con and you've got you know so many others, you've got the, 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 you know, the across the United States, you've got such a plethora of these things. what What makes the San Diego Comic-Con so great? I mean really, what, what is it everybody's you know so charged about, so honored by? And I'll tell you. That's right, I do have my own answer for that. Because as much as my voice may have carried the, the impression that I consider this to be yeah, a hype, I don't. Um, I came to the Comic-Con in 1996 for the first time. And I haven't been to many, I want you to understand that. Uh, I came at that time as a fledgling in the business in terms of producing my own material. I came with a portfolio, a huge portfolio, filled with print, color prints, of the pages of the first blackjack story. I came hopeful and enthusiastic and eager and excited and scared and worried and all of those things. And I had a a table. And at the time, there was more than one comic book distributor. There were three at that time. I got to meet two of them, Diamond being one. And there was this, in 1996 now, there was this atmosphere of, wow, what a, what a cool place. What a cool event. And I met, um, and actually, I remember her name, Marie-José Dani, who was the representative for a printing company in Canada. And I could say their name, but you know, I'm really focusing on her. Uh, she was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, probably still is. And more importantly, she treated me with respect, even though I was this, you know, totally new newbie to the whole process. She took my project seriously. The people that introduced me to her were people from the staff. The staff took me seriously. I was not Walt Simonson, who was a big deal even then. I was not any of the people who were uh, considered of, of great relevance you know, in terms of the industry at that time. But I was treated with respect. My thoughts, my needs, my, my, my concerns were met with a genuine professional attitude. And some of the people that I saw are also new to the game. You know, yeah, there were celebrities and all that, but some of those were new to the game. It was a variety of material there was some you know some standard you know marvel dc stuff but there was also uh, jan who had her book um i think if i remember right it was um oh don't do this to me it was a book about what if super race cars kind of existed in another time period in the past and for the life of me right now jan forgive me i can't remember the name of the series but Jan was here with her husband, Bill, and Nate. They were producing their first comic book. And there was uh, Rat Bastard, which was being produced by another uh, producer who, since I haven't talked to him in a while, I'm not sure if I should mention his name, but that was this strange, uh, bizarre, almost underground comic kind of storyline with a, a, t- a tall-talking rat and and who had this sort of rebel-like uh, personality. And there was another publisher with a gothic sort of norse God, not gods, but Norse warriors and things like that. And there was a Native American group. I mean, actual Native Americans, young Native American men, who had created their own comic book series. And they had the first issue out there, and I was so excited about that. It was this cornucopia of possibilities and attempts and a sense of, it's all okay. It's all cool. Let's see what happens. And I came to the con a couple of more years after that, um, especially while Blackjack, my series, and Race Against Time, the series, I, you know, it was a paperback series that I did a comic book adaptation of, and uh, we were producing that. And it was, it was exciting, and it was fun. And every time I came, it was like three or four more times that I came, the con treated me with respect. And there was one other element, which is what I found When I came here in 2017 and was shocked to receive an Inkpot Award, you know. And when I came here, um, I didn't come to the con, but I came to, um, in, in April of 2018, to be a part of the Eisner judgings. The staff and the people of the San Diego Comic Con care about comics, care about the creators care about the young ones as well as the old timers i mean old timers who some of the folks who are buying comics now never heard of and could care less about and i'm not it's not a dig it's just reality of time but the the staff jackie estrada and many of the people i've met this is a cool warm mellow not mellow as in no energy but let's not shove anybody we can ease people we'll bump into people but it's okay it's all good because we're here in this environment that nourishes your affection and your appreciation your excitement and your geekness about comics comics is what the san diego comic-con is basically about you can add in pop culture film television and all of that but at the very core it's about those people that is how i see it that is how i experienced it and i think what we need to look at as we whoever you are go forth to appreciate the industry or the characters created by this industry so i would think you would like you to look at the fact that yeah Thor, you know, it has got muscles and long hair. Iron Man looks cool in the suit. Captain America, oh God, is he brave, fearless, whatever, tortured, you know. Spider-Man, you know, all of these characters that are buzzing around you in books and exploding on the screen, you know, they came from people. They came from somebody who sat and wrote or someone who sat and drew the stories that created the source material for every one of these films and TV shows that you're watching now. Human beings came up with this. That when you go to see these human beings at a con, they're not statues. They're not animatrons. They're not um, unfeeling. You know, Stan Lee was one of the fortunate, lucky, elders of this field who was treated by the fans with respect because yes yeah, an old 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 dude but he's Stan Lee Julie Schwartz, Dick Giordano um, you know Larry Hama uh, Brian Stelfreeze there are people, Erwin Hansen, there are people who helped build this world that you are enjoying. And if you're a young artist coming up in the business, they help build this world that you are about to flourish within. And I felt like, especially this time, the San Diego Comic-Con felt like home. Now, its I, I haven't been here all 50 years. I've maybe been here five out of 50. But I came home. I was treated as if I came home to visit and as I walked around on, on Friday afternoon I had sort of a bittersweet moment I um, I walked the the lower levels were a small press I walked around the area of the artist alley and I walked through the silver and gold age comic book retailers area and didn't see many, many, many of the faces I remembered. You know, I saw similar material. I saw uh, some old comics that I wish I still had. I saw people exchanging ideas. And I saw new artists and new writers you know, proudly proclaiming or presenting their material. And as much as I was excited by some of the new material that's out there, I felt the loss of some of those folks back in 1996 or 98 or 97, you know, that I'd seen. The one that I saw again in the mid-2000s, many of them weren't there. And I felt for a little while, I felt like, wow, you know, am I coming that close to my time when not only will I not be here, but no one will remember me. You know, and you have that moment, and then at the same time, and I mentioned earlier this young gentleman, Scott, who had co-written this book with George Takai, and Scott was excited to share that with me because Scott and I, back at Archie, we talked. We were two creators, writers, who were excited about the process and the, and, and the the wonder of it all. And, yes, we are many years apart in age, and I wish him all the best with everything he's pursuing, and I got a charge out of that, out of seeing that, and then I saw Walt Simonson, and I, I was great. And earlier, I'd run into you know Brother David Walker, and his his comic book Bitter Bitter Roots is is actually you know there's there's some major buzz around that, and I'm excited about that. And then later, I saw a panel with John Jennings in there, and that was exciting, and you know all these things start to happen and you realize yeah time passes work passes people pass but the feeling in this event is still this warm love excitement quirky bizarre energy that it's all good it's all about comics it's all about having a good time and then you see people of different races, ethnicities, body size, genders, predilections, uh, costumes, you name it. The variety is in there. And you just, this is, this is the world. This is the world we live in. And if you come in these wacky costumes, you come with these, these wild t-shirts and things, or you come dressed in drag, you come in anyway, the feeling was, in here, it's OK. It's cool. You know, everybody's at the party. I haven't seen my buddy Don McGregor in a long time, and um, Don and I, you know, back in the day, Don was writing the Black Panther comic book series for Marvel, and he went through a lot to get that done, and and you've heard that story before if you've listened to one of our episodes, earlier episodes. But it was wonderful to see Don, and yeah, my head flashed back, my memory flashed back to 1970. you know, Actually, 1969, when I first met him, and then 1970, when we debuted our joint project of the first ever issue of Detectives Incorporated, which I drew and he wrote, which was Xerox, multiple copies, stapled with this Vermilion cover that still hurts the eyes. And we were at the New York Comic Con, uh, which was in a hotel then, because it wasn't a big deal, it is at the Javits Center now. And that that energy of not only us being there together and and sharing that but then the memories that connected to that of Billy Graham and 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 all of the artists that we eventually became friends with and worked with and all that came rushing back when I saw him here today you know the other day rather yesterday and realized, you know we've traveled a lot of miles separately and together and here we are in this beautiful surroundings we're sitting by uh, sitting in a bar at the Marriott Hotel outside palm trees above the sun shining through the blades of, of, of leaves and grass and all that and just catching up catching up with him catching up with his daughter and her family catching up with his wife you know just this was what was supposed to be happening now yes people come out to the con to do business and I certainly did my share um, I was on the panel for the Black Panther psychology book with Travis Langley and some really great people Victor Dandridge and Scott and some of the people, I don't have their names written down in front of me, but you forgive me, but Billy, Scott, you know, loved you. It was great doing this, this project with you and would, would go into the trenches with you guys again at, at, a, at the drop of a hat. Uh, I later uh, on Sunday did a panel for the um, ca- Cartoon Comics and Cartoon Museum out here, and if I got that wrong, I'll correct it. But the person who brought me out here to do that was Nina Kester. And, and Nina and I became buddies back at Archie, Let's hear it for Archie. You know, I brought some good folks together. But she moved out here. She worked for the Charlie Brown people for a period of time. She's gotten involved with this group now. And I was able to do with Melissa, and I don't have her name in front of me, and I'm a bad guy, but, you know, I'm doing this on the quick because I know I've got some other things about to happen, and I want to make sure I record this and get it up on the uh, site because it's supposed to happen on Sundays, and dang it, I'm going to do that. But anyway, I, I digress. I did this panel with Melissa, an, an, an artist who does um, children's books, as I understand it. We did a drawing uh, workshop with a room full of people, kids and parents. And I don't really know how many people were there. But if I remember right, I'm visualizing it now. There was, there was probably about uh, 15 rows of tables that went from one side of the room to the other. And there was almost four to five people at every single table from the front to the back. So, you know, I don't know. You do the math. But either way, I got to do this and talk about comics and talk about creating comics and drawing and the joy and the freedom of that, telling a story or, or, or telling a joke or whatever creatively, and they were all there Excited and having fun and there was a young lady in the front who was just so animated And you know I would make silly remarks or somebody else would say and she was right there with us It was all so cool Because it had that vibe Families come home Family is here Yes some of you don't know each other but guess what you're part of this family now So that was my feeling And my experience This year My experience and so when one is asked the question, what's so you know damn great about the San Diego Comic-Con? It's family. It's a love of the genre, the medium, the industry, the creators, the creations that exist here, that has existed for mucho many years, and happy, happy 50th, and here's to another 50, and I certainly will not attend all of them, but I will be there in spirit and looking forward to listening to and reading anybody who's doing the work to tell their damn stories. Now, as I said, Chris has a piece that he wants to express regarding from the East Coast what he is seeing. So, Chris, take it away.
1: Hey, it's Chris Ryan here. I haven't been around for a while. Uh, I'll keep that to myself for now. Everything's okay. Um, But I'm back and and Alex isn't. (laughs) Alex is in the San Diego Comic-Con. So, uh, he's 3,000 miles away. So, I'm going to offer up something solo, and we'll see, uh, we'll see if it helps. Um, how about a long-range reaction to the San Diego Comic-Con, you know, through social media only? So, uh, i like some of the developments, some of the announcements on Comic-Con. And that's pretty cool, but one of the things that I find frustrating as a, uh, let's say, a fan of a certain age, older older fan, is that so many of the podcasts or channels that are covering San Diego Comic-Con, they have 20-somethings doing the work. And I'm sorry, it's the rare 20-something that has the depth of knowledge or the depth of love for the material that you know older fans who lived it uh, enjoy and expect. Um, I just had to cancel a podcast where these young, uh, I don't know, 20-somethings. We're talking about the announcement at a Hall H, I guess it was, interview uh, that um, there was an early draft of Avengers Endgame where Marcus and McFeely had written, I'm assuming it's Marcus and McFeely, they wrote the script, but they had written a scene where uh, Thanos from one timeline. Went to another timeline, ripped off Captain America's head, brought it back to the current timeline, and threw it at the Avengers. We all understand why that ridiculousness did not make the drafts. I also understand that sometimes you have to go that far to know what to pull back and get the classic film that we were given. So I hold them no uh, animosity Marcus McSheely. The commentators, however, played with the idea. They said, now that it's mentioned, I want to see it. You want to see Captain America's head ripped off and thrown at the Avengers? And then they showed their true ignorance. Uh, it was a young lady who was on the panel having just said that they were end-gamed out that they had just had enough of end-game she asked the rest of the panel well you know it would be new There, there haven't been any beheadings in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and not a single member of the panel corrected her you know one of the main plot points One of the main failures, one of the reasons why Thor is in so much pain and so self-medicating throughout the movie, those were not fat jokes, those were personal failure jokes, Um, was because he cut off Thanos' head when he realized that they were not going to have a victory and the beheading of Thanos did nothing, did absolutely nothing for them. If you're going to have a spot where you can make commentary on pop culture and about now the best-selling movie of all time, you have to remember the major points of the movie. So while I'm having fun, uh, I guess you could say attending San Diego Comic-Con from a 3,000 mile distance, uh, I have to say some of these allegedly uh, leaders in pop culture and comic book podcasting, they have to get a better staff. You have to know what you're talking about. or. What value do you have here? True? I think so. Uh, When Alex and I do our podcasts, you know, if we're talking about a topic, we make sure we see the movie, reread the book, reread the comic, research the technique we're talking about. And we have a small percentage of the audience of these other podcasts have, you know? Do your homework, you gotta do your homework. Um, and we have the right to let people know when they make these mistakes, you know? Back in the old days, in the Bronze Age of uh, Marvel, if Marvel made a mistake and you wrote him a letter and said, this is a mistake and this is where it happened and here's why it's a mistake, Stan and the boys and the ladies would send you a no Prize it was literally no prize. It was an envelope, and on the, it was sealed envelope, and on the cover, green ink. Congratulations, you have just earned a no prize. Blah blah blah. true believer. And I, I got, I won one when I was a kid, and I revered it, and I had it up on my dresser for years, you know, and then, you know, my mom came in and straightened out the room or something, and. Uh, looked at it, oh, this is empty, threw it out, ah, you know, she didn't know the value of it. This young lady and the panel she was with, they didn't know the value of what they were talking about. They have a great platform, but if they're ignorant, they destroy the value of that platform. So, enjoy the coverage we're getting from uh, Comic-Con. And Marvel has put out an interesting um, menu um, of upcoming movies. Got to tell you, I, I think they're taking a big risk with the Eternals, and I hope it pays off as well as Guardians did, as well as the others did. Um, but that's not what I'm most particularly thrilled about. I'm really thrilled that, particularly if you look at WandaVision, which is going to be a series on Disney Plus, and it's immediately followed by um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and you see Doctor Strange, Nightmare, and Wanda, this is fantastic to see them now not afraid to connect series work on television or on cable, or whatever you want to call it these days, uh, and film cinematic work. I think that's great. I think that really widens what they can do Uh, It is a great time to be a fan of this material. If you're going to tell the story of this material, you got to do your research and tell the damn story. I hope this is helpful. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Please let us know what you think. Maybe Alex will add this section in to something he's going to do, and we will try and get ourselves together um, next week. Uh, I hope to be broadcasting next week from the Comedians Hall of Fame, a Comedians Museum, way out in Jamestown, New York. So that's going to be a remote broadcast. But uh, we might be able to do something uh, long-range between me and Alex. So, hey, let us know what you think. And go out there and tell the damn story.